This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. What's up, Nate? Hey, John. How's everybody doing? Everyone's doing okay. It's kind of hard to believe, although maybe not as hard to believe as normal because we're sitting here and it's like 85 degrees today, but we're about to turn the calendar to May. We just keep trucking along. (laughs) You know, it's... uh... (laughs) <laughs> that's how it goes you know keep, keep pushing forward here but the, the wheels are in motion things are starting to happen and uh you know I'm, I'm hopeful that as the weather warms up that uh the yankees are gonna get on a little hot streak here too they're showing some signs of life now uh you know it was a little bit of a, a cool start a, a chilly april but uh we've seen that before and uh i think things are gonna kind of take a turn for the better here pretty soon so I feel like the best thing for us to do today is we'll chat a little bit about some things that we have coming up in our May issue. And also, we're going to have Brian Hoke from MLB.com joining us to discuss his new weekly newsletter, which I hope everyone has already subscribed to. And if not, will, because it's fantastic. Brian's going to talk to us a little bit about what he's trying to do with it, his goals for it, and of course, his upcoming book, The Bronx Zoom. But earlier this week, we saw you know some, some Yankees bats come alive. I think that kind of takes some of the sting off in April that hasn't exactly gone as hoped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see, uh, Corey Kluber have a great outing this week too. You know, he kind of got on track, um, and just, yeah, all around, you saw a bunch of guys with uh, multi-hit games. So I think that's a, a good sign that, uh, that things are starting to turn here. And, uh, like you mentioned, we got our, our May issue coming out too this weekend, uh, the start of the next Yankees homestand. We'll have a brand new issue of, Yankees Magazine features Aaron Judge on the cover, which is always a good thing. You know, it can never go wrong with uh, Aaron Judge on the cover of Yankees Magazine. Uh, a lot of great stuff in there, as always. And uh, John, I, we should talk a little bit about your story in here because you know I, I feel like you've um, really found a, uh, a you got into a nice groove over the last several issues in a way that only you can. You know, sort of taking a uh, you know a thirty thousand foot view of everything that has, has gone on and and putting it into your words so eloquently. And and this one was about uh, opening day 2021 at Yankee Stadium. Certainly uh, an interesting and a unique opening day, different than any other opening day in this team's history. And you were there for it, to to take it all in. And and, um, I I just love the way that you see things and you hear things that maybe other reporters or other people would see, but your ability to express them in print uh, is really unlike anybody else's. Wow. First off, thank you so much. That's really kind of you. I don't think 
I knew what I wanted to write for this one. Look, I mean, the fact of the matter is, as you've mentioned, I've kind of fallen into a little bit of a routine here of writing more on field observational. This is what I've seen stories as opposed to what I would have been a truly love, which is, you know, deep reporting and diving in with guys and spending a lot of time getting to know them. It's just impossible right now. So I'm doing what I can. I kind of said I'm going to try to capture the spirit of opening day. And I didn't know what to expect because I didn't know what opening day would look like. And it ended up exceeding my expectations a million times over, just the energy and the emotion and the feeling of it. I, I spent that game tracking every single pitch Garrett called through. I can show you my my list that literally has every single pitch and location and result of every one of his things. I thought that might be the story I was writing. Garrett Cole's first time pitching in front of fans, for, for, in front of Yankees fans. I think everything, I, I mean, not to trivialize it, 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 what it essentially boiled down to is a story that was coming out essentially a month after the fact about a loss. You know, there was only so much intrigue that I was going to be able to put into that. And at the risk of getting a little too technical on what I decided to do, what I eventually settled on was what if the outcome didn't matter? What if the point of opening day this year was the beginning? And, and that's where I went. And, and it's, it's a little subtle, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's actually knocking in the head. I wrote the story backwards. You'll notice I actually started the story a couple of days after opening day. And I progressively went backwards in it. And the story ends with Yankees public address announcer Paul Olden welcoming fans back to Yankee Stadium. So, again, that, that was like a little, maybe just for me, a little crafty thing that I don't think you had to really follow what I was doing to hopefully enjoy the story. But it was a little fun way for me to tell it, to, to, to decide when I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to go backwards. Reading this story, I think, kind of helped me, like, uh, I don't know, come to... <laughs> come to grips with returning to Yankee Stadium in a way. I mean, you had gone last year uh, during the pandemic when there were no fans at all in the stadium. And I just, I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was just like, I know it's going to be a, a bizarre experience that uh, I don't necessarily feel the need to take part in. Um, you know, I'm used to, uh, I've grown up in two Yankee stadiums, you know, surrounded by fans and, and the whole experience of it is just so special to me that uh, the thought of being in an empty Yankee stadium and watching this team play was kind of unappealing to me. But this story, I think really kind of, for, the, for those of us who weren't there on opening day, makes it feel like, okay, you know, it's okay to it's go safe. back now. Yeah. The, the water's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's obviously it's not all the way back, you know, there's still uh, capacity limitations and, and stuff like that. But what you really did a great job of, as you alluded to, was the emotion of it, you know, putting it all into context, like just what it meant to the players and everybody else who was a part of that day uh, to be back in front of fans. Um, it was just, it was so important to all of them. Um, I mean, John, for you, I mean, you've been to Yankee Stadium countless times uh, for games. What was the difference between watching a game from the press box in 2020 with no fans and watching it from the press box in 2021 with fans uh, as you're there trying to do your job? It's very hard to describe. And I know that most people who are listening to this just by virtue of the limitations have not been able to make it back yet. And I can't wait until everyone has. But I mean, it sincerely was emotional. It was overwhelming in some ways. And I wasn't even playing, uh, obviously. But 
I know that it's my job and I think that I tried to describe it. So it's weird for me now to say, like, I can't describe it. It was very visceral. I'm happy I went in 2020. I think that it's part of my life, in a sense, to have, to have seen that. And in retrospect, the weird thing is I've been very lucky. I, I was spared, you know, there there are certainly people I know who were impacted. There are, cert- there, are, there are people I know who passed away from COVID, but, you know, my immediate family and things like that, we've been just incredibly fortunate over the last year, incredibly so, to the point that I can say that the worst thing was basically – you know, some emotional distress of being stuck at home and being to some Yankees games that felt kind of crappy. That 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 that's real privilege there. But you walked in there and, and I didn't know what to expect. I, I thought I was gonna walk to the stadium and there were gonna be lines and disarray and you know, people trying to figure out what it was. And when I tell you that it was just glee, every person you saw had a smile on their face. And I mentioned in the story, and I and I really do mean this, I'm not trying to trivialize a baseball game and make it seem like, you know, it's not important, the outcome. Obviously, there's a lot of things at stake in the outcome. But there are 161 other games to get the baseball parts of it right. The fact is, Garrett Cole was somewhat charmingly, somewhat adorably, you know, really angry about his outing, which was great. Um, he, you know, talking about the home run he gave up to Teoscar Hernandez and the what he called non-competitive pitch to Vlad Guerrero. That was his last pitch, I believe. But there wasn't a single fan in the world who could have been at Yankee Stadium that day who would have cared about that stuff at all. It was just this sense of coming home. And I can even give another example, which might be weird to talk about on the Yankees Magazine podcast because it has nothing to do with the Yankees. This past Friday, I went to a PTA event at my son and daughter's school. And it was a bingo night in the parking lot. You know, there were little circles where everyone could sit in and we all played bingo outside. And let me tell you, I could not possibly care less about bingo. It is not something that matters in my world at all. But there was just this sense that like it's a random Friday night and we're out with neighbors and we're sitting there. And I imagine that's what it felt like for the fans going back to Yankee Stadium. This sense of like when you walk in there, it's going to feel real special. And then the best thing that's going to happen to you is that 10 minutes later, it's going to feel really normal. It's going to feel exactly like what you remember. And that's how I felt there. And that's why I felt at Yankee Stadium. You know, I tried to really laser focus on the things that were different from 2020 so I could write about them. And what was what I found myself immersed in was the things that I was focusing on were the most mundane details of a baseball game, the between inning chatter, things like that. Um, you know, just watching fans, you know, hamming it up for the cameras and things like that, seeing fans catch foul balls, seeing fans miss foul balls, all, all that stuff. Hearing the roll call, I, I can't tell you how nice it was to hear a roll call. And, and that's what I tried to do. And again, you know, there was this moment, and I, I've been talking for like 17 minutes in a row here, so I apologize. There was this moment, like right before we went to press on the issue, where we were going over the cover, kind of approving it for the very last second. And we all kind of had this realization that this is the first magazine that fans have been back for. And we need to acknowledge that on the cover. We had done this great cover of DJ LeMahieu, but it didn't say anything on there like, welcome back. And we put this burst on at the very last second, welcome back. And I'll remember when I was driving to the stadium on the little video board that's outside the stadium along 161st Street, you know, what I saw was uh, on there, it said, welcome back fans too. And it just hit me, you know, it was this obvious thing that it, finally, it suddenly came to us, like, we have to do this. And I don't know when they decided they were going to do it, but they did it. And then obviously, you know, I'm sitting in the stadium waiting for introductions to start. We've heard Paul Alden do the introductions every game basically since 2010, really before that. But hearing him say, you know, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Yankee Stadium. 
it was emotional. You felt that you had to feel it. It was special. That line in itself just, you know, like I said, I mean, it, it gives me goosebumps to, to just think about. It was incredible to have a full, se- you know, a season of baseball with no fans in Yankee Stadium, you know, to see them playing postseason games in San Diego, uh, not against the Padres. <laughs> uh, it was all just so bizarre. Um, it was, you know, better than no baseball. Um, certainly, you know, I was glad that there was some semblance of a 2020 season, but uh, so much happier to see uh, the way things look now. And, uh, you know, another certainly, you know, emotional aspect of this story, John, and uh, it's called Happy Returns. It's in the May issue, is the photos. And I'm really happy with the way I guess you probably worked with Ari, I'm, I'm guessing, to, to select some of these photos. But, um, you know, a lot of them are of the field and the players, but a lot of them are turned around and looking into the stands and seeing, you know, the reactions of kids and, and couples and, uh, you know, all these things that were missing last year. Um, how, how difficult or easy was it, John, to, to pull photos for this particular story? Well, I give so much credit to Ari Goldman Hecht, who had an incredible idea for how to do this, because the fact of the matter is, you know, usually, and you know, this is super, you know, in the weeds here, but usually on opening day, we will have four photographers in the stadium. That that that's how we usually handle it. And, and the point is, we want to be all over the stadium, both because it's a big event to cover, but also from a production standpoint, we finished that opening day and we're really right on the heels of needing to put out our May magazine. So we need to get as much stuff in Yankee Stadium as possible. Uh, this year, just by virtue of the capacity limitations on photographers, Ari was our only photographer shooting the game. And she had the great idea to tell Yankees staffers and, and to ask Yankees department heads to have their staffers, anyone whose job it was really to walk around the stadium and be and be out among the people, since she couldn't be roaming and we couldn't have photographer roaming, that they should all train their cameras on the field and on fans and things like that. So a lot of the photos you see in that story of fans just with the biggest smiles on their faces and little kids and signs. And there's a beautiful shot of a guy in a 99 jersey looking out over the field from one of the those uh, plazas in center field. Those were taken by just Yankees employees out there. I, I imagine with cell phones, to be honest, but they look amazing. And it, it was a great way of making sure that we didn't miss what we were used to getting on opening day. We get so much atmosphere on opening day that we use all season long. It's the happiest faces. It's the biggest smiles and things like that. And we were going to lose that, but I, I, it was great. So Ari had a wealth of options that we were able to choose from. And I really, my goal in doing it was I wanted to hit three things. I wanted to hit fan atmosphere. I wanted to see wide view crowd shots to show the difference there. But I also want to show regular baseball. And I liked that we were able to do that. There's plenty of shots in there that just look like a regular Yankees game, which it was. And it, it was almost like the most regular baseball game, which was charming. But, you know, it was that rare opportunity where you wanted to see some empty seats. Usually we shy away from showing empty seats because we don't want to make people think that not every game at Yankee Stadium sold out. But in this case, we wanted to show what it looks like when you have Yankee Stadium at 20% capacity. And it looks... In the same way, it was haunting and weird, but also kind of cool to see pictures of Yankee Stadium last year with those empty stands. Again, if you pick up this magazine 13 years from now and you see like that crowd on opening day, you're going to very quickly go back to and understand what that was like. And we were trying to convey that. And I mean, no surprise, Ari just nailed it in terms of how she both provided the stuff that we were going to use to work from and also the, the shots she was able to get herself on that day. She did. And, and John, you, you nailed it too. I mean, this story is just, you know, this is what, this is what magazine writing is all about. You know, it's about 
putting things into context so that whether, you know, somebody's picking this up in May uh, and reading it and, and s saying, wow, you know, I really got to get back to the stadium or picking it up, like you said, 13 years from now and remembering, God, that was such a crazy time back during that pandemic. Um, I, I really think you, you and your writing voice uh, are just, you know, a perfect match for this type of coverage. And uh, you're really on a roll. I'm not just saying that. I mean, I think from, from what you were able to write last year uh, and then into this year, uh, I'm really proud to have these stories in Yankees Magazine. Whether you're a subscriber to Yankees Magazine or uh, you just want to pick up a single issue, you can do so by uh, you know going to the website, yankees.com slash publications, or call our customer service line at 800-GO-YANKS. You should really pick up uh, this May issue with Aaron Judge on the cover. Check out John's story, Happy Returns. And uh, it's online now too. So if you want to um, go check out the story, you won't be able to see all these wonderful photos that we're talking about in print in the online version. But uh, if you want to read John's, John's wonderful work, uh, check it out. It's called Happy Returns. You can find it on yankees.com slash magazine. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. Incredibly kind, Nate. Thank you so much for the for what you said there. It feels like my my grandmothers are back uh, talking because <laughs> <laughs> that's the stuff I remember from being a kid. But seriously, thank you. And everyone, thank you for listening. And I hope you'll stick with us because we have a great segment coming up. It's going to be another chat with our good friend, Brian Hoke. He is uh, you know, the, the, the real eye on the team right now. And, and we're going to talk about some ways that you can get even more content from him. So stick with us. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I am joined by MLB.com's Brian Hoke. I think uh, it's only fair to acknowledge, as I've kept Brian waiting for about, you know, some 25 to 30 minutes, that uh, he's incredibly patient. He is uh, a good friend of ours. He has a book coming out next month, June 8th, just in time for Father's Day. It is the Bronx Zoom. I had a chance to read it this past week, and it is excellent. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. And uh, no, I'm, I'm just hanging out here in the green room waiting to go on. I feel like uh, I'm waiting to go on Letterman or something. Yeah, no, that's that's basically how we consider ourselves. So I'm glad to know that our guests do as well. Um, no, but it's uh, it's always great to have you, Brian. We are kind of, you know, reaching that point where uh, we're about to turn the calendar to May. That's always a really good time to kind of look back at what's going on. But before we get to what's going on with the Yankees, I think we should talk about what's going on with you, because as always, you are producing Yankees content at a quantity that far exceeds anyone reasonably should. I think we can all agree <laughs> on that. Um, obviously, if you've been following Brian's Instagram or Twitter, in addition to using his children to uh, you know boost his Instagram follower account and things like that, he also wow. produces things like the Yankees Daily Beat videos. And one thing I want to talk to you is you just launched a new newsletter, which goes to Yankees fans. And I think we are two issues in at this point. And it's excellent. And I'm really I enjoy reading it as someone who obviously both professionally and you know, recreationally takes in a lot of Yankees content. I love what you're doing. So what, I, I would love to hear just kind of how it came about and what your goals are for this newsletter. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's a fun new way to communicate with Yankee fans. You can sign up at Yankees.com and uh, goes out every week. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, we're producing tons of content about the current team. I feel like that newsletter is a way that we can kind of tap into the rich history of the Yankees. And because, you know, that is as much a part of the Yankee brand as anything is their their history and what happened in the 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s, I feel like that's just as important. Of course, the 90s for a generation of fans, it's really connecting those generations of fans to the current product on the field and just having the opportunity to uh, touch upon some of the uh, the great things that were happening this week in, say, 1998 or 1977. Uh, it's It's been a lot of fun to kind of dig back into the history books um, and, and see uh, how the current team connects to the teams of years past. What's been the biggest surprise so far in doing that then? I guess I, I'm not surprised because Yankee fans are the best, and but I, I – the day that it went out, uh, I could tell exactly when it went out because my email box filled up with people saying, uh, wow, this is great. You know, I, I didn't know this was a thing. Like, I can't wait to get more. How, how often am I going to get this? And and people just sharing their, their own Yankee memories. Um, I got an email from uh, a man, a gentleman this morning who was telling me about the first time he went to Yankee Stadium in 1969. And uh, it was a game against the Athletics. And, uh, you know, he was saying how I always consider Reggie Jackson and Catfish Hunter uh, Yankees, but they were on the A's that side. And then he brought his son to a Yankees A's game and he realized that the circle was complete. And so just kind of giving people an opportunity to share memories like that has been really cool. And I, I that's one thing we want to do. We want it to be interactive. And, you know, I put in my own personal memory of meeting Mariano Rivera just as a way to kind of kickstart it. And hopefully Yankee fans will uh, share their own memories of encounters with players. I, you know, I met Mickey Mantle this day or once I bumped into Derek Jeter uh, on the subway or something, you know, whatever people want to share, if we can kind of give a voice to that and a platform, I think that would be really cool. It is a lot of fun. And, and obviously you touched on this, but I think it must be very hard. I mean, you know, I, I come to this from a magazine perspective where we have, you know, monthly deadlines. So despite obviously, you know, there's a lot of work to put in the magazine besides for just the individual stories we have to run. But, you know, it's very rare that I'm watching something and I know that I need to create a story about this by tomorrow. It gives us some space to really involve a lot more team history in terms of what we're doing and things like that. I imagine it's a little different on your end where, you know, literally every observation you make, whether you're from the press box or from your house has to become the next day's story. So yeah, I, I, I do think it must be kind of fun for you to kind of step back a little bit with the loads of free time. I know you have to just say like, you know what, let me stop playing PlayStation. Let me stop, you know, just doing nothing. And, and I'm going to actually, you know, try to enhance my job a little bit. I think, uh, I think we're all grateful for that, Brian. I miss playing PlayStation. I, I remember I was a big MLB The Show guy, and obviously that was pre-kids, but um, like I, I created uh, my own rosters and stuff, and I, I actually sampled the, the real sounds from Yankee Stadium and put them into the game. And so I was very into MLB The Show for a while, but that is uh, those are those days are behind me now, unfortunately. I love how you said obviously pre-kids, as though I did not spend all last night until like 1230 playing uh, the World Series on the show 21, which just came out. So you know, for you. Sure. Wow. So this this is always a weird thing for me because – you know, it's not like MLB.com is the athletic, for example, where every time you get to the end of a story, you get to give either a smiley face or a frowny face or a neutral face or whatever. But when you say that you get a lot of feedback, you know, what 
do you hear in terms of that? Obviously, it's, it's, it's always nice when you get a, this is great. And it's always funny when you get, this is terrible with half the word spelled wrong. But what are some of the constructive <laughs> things, you know, you've heard so far that you, whether it's, you know, two issues in or as you're thinking about three or four or whatever, that, you know, you hadn't thought of maybe when you started this thing and you want to make a part of it? Well, I got a lot of uh, lineup suggestions and, uh, you know, hey, can you pass this along to Aaron Boone and, uh, you know, tell Brian Cashman to trade for player XYZ. And so, um, you know, I'm sure that Cash and Boone will be happy to receive those and I'll, I'll send those along to them. And uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I think that uh, people want to just interact with the team and, and I'm joking about the Cashman and Boone things, but I feel like uh, the way this last year has gone, we're all so disconnected, I feel like, that now fans are back in the ballpark. Things are not completely back to normal, but we're getting some semblance of that back. And I, I think that it's that connection that people missed, especially last year, a year where they played in front of an empty ballpark and guys had to, and everybody had to watch on TV uh, to now be able to kind of reach out and touch it and feel it and smell it and, you know, just get that kind of feel of being back in the ballpark. I think that's what people are craving and uh, that's going to continue to grow as the crowds get bigger. And, um, you know, hopefully we can increase that connection for people who uh, may, maybe are not in the tri-state area and cannot get to a game. And that's an interesting thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently, because obviously, and, and uh, joking or not joking, I think there's very few people in the world who are as keyed into what's going on with the Yankees as you are. But, but you know, I, I put myself up there as, as someone who has in this weird two-year stretch, more access than most, obviously, and, and more sense than most, I would hope. You know, I can, anytime I want to, I can log on to the press conferences, even the ones that aren't broadcast on Yes, I can figure out what's going on. Professionally, I can stop my work day if there's a day game and watch the game because that's part of my job and, and, and things like that. One thing that I've found is, you know, there, there was a very intangible sense when you were covering games in the clubhouse where you could get a sense of the vibe. And you could get a sense of the mood and you could get a sense of if guys are tight or if they're not, because obviously the Zoom room is a very controlled situation and guys are going to come in there and say the right things. No one's going to come in there and say, like, that clubhouse is toxic right now and you don't want any <laughs> part of it. They're not going to do that. There's definitely that sense. You, you knew when you were in the clubhouse on days when it was tight. And you knew when you were in the clubhouse on days when, yeah, it was a two or three game losing streak, but guys were still loose and you felt it. And I feel like that's a hard thing for me to sense right now because the season, the first month of the season hasn't gone great. Obviously, in recent history, at least, the best cure for something like that has been a series at Camden Yards. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe things turn around as a result of that. But I can't tell you what Gary Sanchez looks like before a game right now. There are those certain things that, you know, your eyes and ears would pick up, whether it was on the field of batting practice or in the clubhouse, that I know I feel like I don't have access to. I'm wondering how you are trying to supplement that. Uh, I feel like, yes, I agree with you. It's um, there. There was a vibe that you could feel and I can't really articulate it. But if the team had lost four or five games in a row, it the, the walking into that room just felt different on minute one than it did if they were winning five in a row and were leading the, the division by seven games or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, 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 there is definitely a touch and feel to it that I can't, um, that can't be replicated through zoom. So, uh, you know, 
hopefully we're running out the clock on the Zoom era. And, um, you know, I, I think that some sort of access will come back soon as, as more people get vaccinated. And the Yankees, I know, are above the 85% threshold. So their protocols have been relaxed already. So it's coming. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I hate to use this phrase because I feel like we've heard it a lot, but uh, it has definitely been challenging to cover the team in the Zoom era because, as you mentioned, everything is a structured environment where it's very formal. For sure. You know, and it's silly, too, because obviously there are the key professional things that I miss about how to tell a story. I also just miss, you know, something like Davey Garcia, who made his first start of the season a couple of days ago. It was always that special thing when he would come into the clubhouse, you know, from Scranton or as a club yeah. right now, the alternate site. And you would see the guy, you would see him walk up to the guys he was buddies with. And they were so happy to see him or especially, you know, a guy making his big league debut. And you saw him walk into the clubhouse and all the clubbies kind of gather around him, showing <laughs> him like all the stuff in his huge locker and, you know, what shirt to wear when. And it's things right. like that. And again, I don't know how often that made it into a story I wrote, but it definitely helped me understand these guys a little bit better and I feel like I am struggling to provide a voice of authority about this team because I am not sure that I have one right now I'm not sure that I understand this team better than most people who are watching it and it's hard and professionally it's hard and I think Brian that's why I want to talk to you because I think you're doing a great job with it and I think that you especially as you're adding content and you're adding things to do, I'm struggling to do my regular stuff here. Meanwhile, you, you in the last year, you've added like 75 to 85 new ways to see Brian Hoke on a daily basis. And I think we're all <laughs> grateful for that because, you know, what more could we want? Well, uh, thank you very much. I, I think that, um, you know, as, as far as being an authority, there's no substitute for being there. And, uh, you know, even if we can't, be in the clubhouse right now, I, I think that that's that's why I wanted to be at every spring training game and why I wanted to go to every home game at Yankee Stadium and, and just to be there on scene. I feel like that really allows you to see more than you can see through a Zoom window or um, on television. You know, not that watching on TV is, is fun and it's great and uh, being on Zoom is, is great and, you know, it's, it's slightly interactive and just being able to ask questions. But there's no substitute for being there, for being on site. And yeah, that's why I'm so excited that the fans are back in the ballpark because I feel like that's what they've been missing. Um, you know, I was one of the few people who was able to go to every game at Yankee Stadium last year. And it was it was strange and weird to be in that empty building, but I was one of the 35 people allowed in that press box, and that was pretty cool. Um, but now to, to be able to share that experience with you know, 10,000 fans. And I think it's, it's even going to be more now. It's going to be about 18,000. So the crowds are going to get bigger and louder at Yankee Stadium. And that energy is going to come back. And I think that's what we're all really looking forward to is the, the day when, um, you know, to hear what a packed house at Yankee Stadium sounds like again and feels like. And there's also something so metaphoric and perfect about the timing of the baseball season. We're recording this on a day. I think the projected high temperature for today is 87 degrees and you can start, you know, <laughs> I know that tonight I'm going to be grilling hamburgers, for example, and that's just like a, a, a real feeling that, man, you know, we're doing it. We're uh, we're looking the right way. But but it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking the other day when I was at the game uh, to the New York Post's Ken Davidoff, a fellow Michigan man. And one thing that we both kind of like isolated at the same time is kind of as we were listening to the crowd is – hearing that crowd right now it makes last year feel so much worse like i remember last year going to those games and feeling like this is okay this isn't bad you know this feels like a mm -hmm. baseball game and being there now 
it makes it makes me look back to last year at that just vacuum of dead air and everything like that, you know, and and, and the baseball game that was happening there, and it just makes it feel like easier to push that out of your brain because having those fans there, it feels real. And, and sometimes, frankly, and I hate to say this, I'm not trying to trivialize it. Sometimes having ten thousand fans at a baseball game, you know what? That's kind of in a lot of places a Thursday night game in April and May. Like that's kind of normal. Sure. Actually. Not at Yankee stadium during normal times, but I definitely covered and went to games at Shea stadium back in like the 1990s where paid attendance was about 9,000. Like, and you know, you were allowed to move down because nobody was upstairs. I remember going to those games. So Brian, you're going back three decades. You can go to last year or two years ago at Marlins park. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude when I say it. I'm just saying like, it's not like it's that crazy to have a baseball game in front of 10,000 people. Derek Jeter is very mad at you right now for (laughs) saying that. I think Derek Jeter is generally mad at me. Um, It's (laughs) easy to feel normal when you're hearing that level of fandom, because the things that you are used to in baseball, the things like, you know, between innings, people hamming it up for the cameras and games and sounds and weird sounds and sounds that don't make sense, like, you know, random booze for no purpose whatsoever, but that are funny and charming. That's back. And it feels great. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, the, the the stands are alive again, and that's just going to continue. But, yeah, that's what we missed last year, and it's stuff that, uh, you know, I, I definitely covered in the book. But it was just the most bizarre year I think I hope we'll ever have, and um, definitely one for the history books. We'll never forget it, but I'm glad that we're leaving all that in 2020. I think uh, I don't want to spoil your book. Uh, obviously, I hate to say it, but the Yankees do not win the World Series in 2020, even in, you know. The I bro- thought about doing an alternate ending, but <laughs> um, no, we decided to stick to real life. But I believe the last uh, sentence of your uh, acknowledgement in the book is it was a great year. Let's never do it again or something of that nature. <laughs> and I, I yeah. think I think that you speak for all Yankees fans when you say that. Real quick, let's, let, let's hit on just a couple things we're watching here. As I mentioned, in years past, the ultimate cure-all for any Yankees woes has been a couple days at Camden Yards earlier this week. You know, we saw a game where the Yankees were kind of shut down in Baltimore and you kind of wondered about it. And then the next day you saw a game when the things that are supposed to happen happened. Giancarlo Stanton homered. Aaron Judge homered. Kyle Higashioka homered. You know, the most obvious of all, of, of all things. Um, of course he did. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me wonder kind of, I, I know this goes against what I was saying about not being able to pick up the vibe more than what you see on the TV, but you know, as you look to that series in Cleveland where the Yankees fans being Yankees fans, you know, you lose the fourth game of a series, it's going to be the sky is falling and you're going to forget that you won the previous three and all that stuff. And that's just the way it's always going to be. You know, then the you go to Camden Yards and, and things start looking right again. Is there what, what are the reasons you see as we kind of get ready for May that the Yankees, despite a rough April, should feel completely optimistic? This team lives and dies by the long ball. They do. Um, You know, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but I can tell you that as of right now, when I'm talking, the Yankees are 0-6 when they don't hit a home run and they're 10-7 and when they do. So, hey, home runs are good. It's the easiest way to put runs on the board. And so I I know a lot of people want to see like, you know, bunting and hitting runs and stuff like that. Home runs are good. Three run homers win ball games. And this team is built around doing it. And when they don't do it, which they didn't for a, big period of April where you're getting, you know, swings and misses from guys. uh, It's not going to look good. The product was, was dull because you're not moving runners around the field. You know, 
nobody comes to the ballpark to watch strikeouts and pop-ups. So um, when they're doing that, it, the, the, it's going to be tough to watch. But, hey, man, when, when Giancarlo Stanton is hitting these rockets over the wall and Judge went deep uh, last night, and, uh, yeah, Kyle Higashioka has been fantastic, um, really just continuing what he did in 2020. Home runs, uh, get those runs on a board in a hurry. And, um, you know, I thought that that game in Baltimore that they won, the bounce back game, that was one of the best all-around games they played all season. Corey Kluber went into the seventh inning. Uh, first guy not named Garrett Cole to do that for the Yankees this year. So, um, you know, when you get starting pitching, the bullpen has been fantastic. They're going to need to get some deeper starting pitching. Um, you know, Kluber alluded to that, too, uh, to keep these guys uh, firing on all cylinders. But, it's it's really hard to win games when you don't score runs and so you know Aaron Boone said that uh, they they didn't even break it open in that one you know they'll take five runs but they could they had opportunities to get more and I think that when these bats warm up and they will because you know typically guys are going to play to the back of their baseball cards and you're gonna see these home runs pile up at some point here and it looks like DJ LeMay who's starting to warm up a little bit I think that you just had everybody in the lineup cold at the same time and so it looked really bad but I, there's a reason that we picked the Yankees to win the division. There's a reason that, I mean, Las Vegas still thinks the Yankees are going to win the division. Small sample size. I think that um, they can certainly bounce back from a, a poor 15 or 20 games to start the year and, and take off. And, and I mean, look, I mean, you, you hit everything exactly right. It, it's so early. I think as we speak right now, the Yankees are four and a half games behind the Red Sox without having played them. One of the 19 games they're going to play against them yet. I mean, there is wow. so much time to, to to pick these things up. It, it, it is somewhat academic. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was Jason Stark who wrote a story about just how actually accurate the April standings are usually. So, you know, maybe that maybe that's a concern. But like you said, I still feel like no matter how the Yankees could lose 14 games in a row and I'd be surprised by every time they didn't homer. Whereas if the Yankees win that one game, I'll feel like, oh yeah, that makes sense because of right. course they're going to hit. And, and I think that's just the way to look at it right now. And I think that it is silly and unrealistic for those people who prefer or, or, or wish that there would be more of a focus on station to station baseball in a time when you're lucky to get one hit off a major league reliever, let alone four. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you can begrudge the home runs all you want, I guess, but I don't know how many times you're going to string together a big inning with five hits off a major league pitcher with the way the game is right now. You sound like Aaron Boone. I feel like I've heard Booney say that before. Um, but yeah, just to go back to what we were just saying, this is not a 60 game season. It's 162. We're playing a full, full year this year. And, um, you know, I'll just go back to 2019. The, the last team to win a world series in a full season was Washington and they were 19 and 31 and they were able to claw back out of that and go win the world series. So I'm not saying it's the best recipe. Of course you'd like to go 10 and L out of the gate and then just never look back. But um, more often than not, there's going to be ups and downs in a baseball season. And so uh, let's, let's see if the Yankees have already been through their downs and now are, are on the way back up. This is a big week, by the way, uh, to make up ground and get back to 500 against Baltimore and Detroit, because uh, they need to beat up on these softer teams because then you got the Rays coming and man, they have been a thorn in the Yankee side for uh, for a while now. And so no, no love lost between those two teams. Well, you've heard it from an employee of the Yankees and an employee of major league baseball. So, I mean, there's really no reason not to trust us when we say that Yankees fans have plenty of reason to <laughs> feel optimistic. Brian, it's always great to talk to you. I, uh, like I said earlier this week, 
I had the chance to make my way through the Bronx Zoom and I started reading it as a work task and I just got completely engrossed by it. It was fantastic. And the recency of the memories and kind of my own individual things that I was bringing to it. It's a great read. Yankees fans are going to love it. Maybe skip the last few pages. (laughs) Choose your own adventure for the end, I guess. But uh, as always, Brian, great work. That comes out June 8th and you can get it everywhere. And I hope you will. And tell us again, where can we subscribe to your newsletter? Visit Yankees.com, and uh, you may have already received it, but uh, if not, um, head over to Yankees.com, click sign up, and I'll uh, I'll tweet out some links, too, and places where you can get it. But, um, you know, happy to continue finding new avenues to connect with Yankee fans. That's really the goal is to, to merge these generations of Yankee fans and give you content that'll make you excited about the current team, make you feel connected with that current team, but also touch into your nostalgia and, and your memories about this uh, this great franchise. Guys, I, Brian is not kidding. He does video. He does TV. He does all kinds of writing. During road trips, he will show up at your house at your house to discuss baseball with you. So take him up on that. I, I just I mean that he is the, he is so generous with his time. So you know, by all means, just reach out to him. Reach out to his family. They'd love to have you over for dinner one night. Brian, thank you so much. You got it. Thanks, John. And to all of you, thanks for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. We are so excited that we are, you know, really kind of going strong in our fifth season of the show, and we have a lot of cool stuff planned for this year, so stick with us. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcast. Leave us a review, leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email, podcast at yankees.com. For Yankees Magazine subscribers, we have our May issues in the mail right now, so you should get that soon. If you're not a subscriber yet, what are you waiting for? Call 800-GO-YANKS or visit yankees.com slash publications. And if you'd like to see our content online, get a taste of it at yankees.com slash magazine. There you'll find our latest features to read from the magazine, including the piece we discussed today, looking back at opening day 2021. And of course, follow us on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine, to stay up to date with all that we have coming your way this year. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks! Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.